Hi, everyone. On this edition of Scouting for Growth, I would be welcoming my dear French friend, Xavier Gomez. Xavier is a well-known fintech thought leader and a specialist in investment banking and wealth management with strong expertise in fintech, digital assets, and private equity. Xavier writes and speaks about the emerging trends within our digital economy with a sharp lens on what is disrupting finance, namely financial inclusion, and also RegTech. Xavier is also the co-chief editor of Indio Insights, which is a global fintech intelligence platform powered by Inview.io. Xavier and his team partners with the very best experts and entrepreneurs within the European region and beyond to cover the latest trend in all topics related to digital banking, payment, blockchain, artificial intelligence, insurtech, and financial inclusion, with a very strong interest around financial literacy. As we all know, there is a major protection gap that Swiss Re often mention in its research. And uh, what we are aiming to do here is to make sure we can create wealth for everyone. Over the course of our discussion, Xavier and I will dive into the digital economy. We are going to talk about fintech trends, insurtech trends, you know, what affects our world of finance today and in the future. So let's welcome Xavier. So Xavier, welcome to this episode of Scouting for Growth. Thank you for being with me. How are you doing? I'm fine, fine. Uh, as you know, it's... Um bloody cold in Europe, but I'm fine. This is uh, the end of the year and uh, we accomplish a fantastic works with, uh, with the team and uh, happy to, 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 to share the, the stage uh, with you, my dear Sabine. Well, welcome. And you know what? Last night it snowed. So it's December here, right? And uh, whenever people are going to listen to this you know, to this podcast, it will probably be January and it snowed massively. My whole terrace is full of white and it just feels like Christmas. So tell us, Xavier, tell us a bit about you. You know, I know you for quite a while as a fintech influencer and it will be great to hear about your background in private equity and also what got you to move into, I would say, the young venture world. Yeah. Oh, thank you. It's a challenging question. Uh, as you know, I start my career uh, as an investment banker uh, in equity capital market at the beginning. I move on different top management positions, trading algorithmic, uh, sales derivatives, uh, and uh, uh, other different positions uh, as um, a treasurer of Credit Suisse in France. I worked also after the moving in uh, in wealth management for um, uh, Pictet as a, a portfolio uh, manager. Um, I think I have a, a good knowledge in terms of uh, banking and finance sector, in particular uh, in, in terms of digital digitalization. Why? Because as you know, in a top management bank, 
um, every time they want to be the best um, between the competition, uh, between uh, Goldman Sachs, Morgan Stanley, Credit Suisse, UBS, and, and so on. And um, also, I, I got the good education of work in terms of mega trend of investments. And uh, we can see today uh, the uh, execution of this uh, mega trend in terms of mobility, in terms of fintech, in terms of uh, uh, life science, in terms of ESG. Um, this is all the subject I, I worked on clearly. And my first investment uh, for my big clients, in particular corporate, it was in uh, also in a um, venture and private equity. Uh, this is the reason why I have uh, all this expertise, you know, for uh, ultra-high net worth individuals and big corporates in terms of um, investments. That takes me to so where you are today. So tell us a little bit more about InView, right, and what your business model is, because I gather you are using a lot of your expertise around artificial intelligence and machine learning within your current environment as well. Yeah, um, in fact, Indio is um, a data-driven startup uh, that uses machine learning and uh, natural language processing to help, uh, in particular, um, private equity firms and VC uh, to uh, um, take opportunities of investment to compare with the data uh, what kind of investments they can do in uh, in venture or in uh, in uh, mid stage, uh, and also uh, to uh, detect what is wrong in terms of competition. Um, and uh, in fact, we provide a, a, a solution in order for investor from VC side um, to be uh, driven by the data and to be empowered by the data. Um, for VC and uh, principal and partner to um, don't waste time with the collect of this data and to have the, this precise data with all the elements uh, possible. Because as you know, at the moment, we, we have so much opportunities in the last five years with the explosion of, uh, of startups, of uh, business model, and, uh, and so on. And uh, uh, it's a lot of works for all investment uh, actors. And it's funny because most of them are a little bit old fashioned. They don't use any any solution. They invest in startup in technology, but yeah. they don't apply this technology for, for them in order to, to, to be uh, augmented by the data as a, investor and uh, as a private equity actors. It's interesting you said they are not using it. I mean, you know, I work with a lot of investors and that is something I mentioned to, to many of them. So, you know, what are you using to make your choices and decisions? And some of them have to use multiple platforms to do that. And so you, what you are trying to do is solve for this multi-platform, multi-solution and provide them with one single view of what they can do with that data. Clearly, we... we, we... Uh, we use uh, their current environment uh, and we connect. We don't change a lot of uh, things. In fact, we used um, their current sources, um, in particular with API, when they use already some uh, solution is less expensive. What? First. And second, we put a machine learning element in order to um, to have a um, uh, solution adapted to the investment thesis. Because 
each fund is different, a little bit different. Um, in the same investment, the philosophy of uh, one partner will uh, will be different uh, than another one, and uh, uh, this is uh, the the beauty of machine learning with the data because you collect the data, you clean the data, and after you can make a bias as you like in order to follow your uh, thesis investment. That's cool. So. And tell me, what is a business model, right? Because I assume, you know, it's an as-a-service subscription type model that the organization goes for when they work with you. Oh, the business model is uh, very simple. This is a license, uh, yearly license. And um, some of our clients very happy about our services clearly uh, request us each year um, it's kind of upsell, a new option, and they have a basic license we define in terms of source, in terms of uh, of, um, of solution with uh, uh, if they need a sentiment analysis, if they need uh, uh, data uh, visualization uh, with uh, um, interactive graphic and so on. And um, every year they, they request us clearly uh, uh, new things in order to have a complete uh, environment. And um, this is a very challenging for us and very interesting uh, in particular at, at the moment. Cool. I want to highlight, we are from the same country or at least we speak the same language, right? Xavier, un peu de français, so that everybody knows where the accent comes from. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, nobody is perfect. <laughs> Which is a lovely accent. I, I hear a lot. So I know. I know that this is the reason why I keep it. My, even I spend a lot of years in in London, but uh, I know it's uh, successful with uh, women. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so let's go to Xavier as the fintech influencers. So Xavier, you have been leading a lot of topics and I know you're a writer as well. Can you tell us a little bit more around your thesis as a fintech influencer and what we need to look for as we look at 2023 and the trends which are going to affect us? Oh, for me, if you, if you, every time we speak about influencer influencing it doesn't mean anything why because i am the education of of bunker concrete seasons and, and and so on in fact i started um um by follow the other and i just want to share my insight and knowledge and it was funny because I, I, I followed, uh, um, you know, most of them, uh, Jim Marus, Spiros Marguerite, and other Jean-Baptiste Lefebvre. And all these guys was very kind because I was nobody in, in this uh, area. And uh, they follow me, they give me uh, advice, uh, they push me uh, uh, to uh, publish more and, and so on. And my idea, it was, to um, uh, to educate people, to share my inside, because as you know, it's a problem of financial literacy. Um, uh, finance is not mainstream, uh, in particular in uh, continental Europe. And by chance, a lot of people like it, what I published, 
and uh, some of producer uh, request to me in order to be speaker around the world in Paris FinTech Forum, in uh, uh, Finnovate uh, uh, Europe, uh, in uh, Africa Innovation Summit, in Cyprus FinTech Summit, and so on. And now I have stopped a little bit. Uh, and limit some uh, speaking uh, uh, events because it's a lot of works uh, to prepare as a, as moderator or as a speaker, but it's uh, every time interesting to share some insight with uh, people around the world from Latin, from US, and you see the difference and you see the trend with uh, the, 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 same, uh, the same vision. I take uh, one example, uh, the super apps in finance. Um, this movement came from China with Tencent, WeChat, and so on. And uh, um, I spent uh, some 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 weeks in uh, United States, and uh, it, it was funny because uh, when I get um, a, a panel in Finovate USA, uh, most of uh, audience say, "Yeah, we don't have any uh, any." Uh, um, U.S. player for super apps. Uh, what's wrong with U.S. and so on? I said, "Keep it easy, guys. You have the money. You have the technology. You have the power. You can make one one day. This is not the time. That's all. It's a question of time. And um, of course, I'm pretty sure you will get your your leader about super apps. And maybe this is uh, what uh, Elon Musk want to to be with Twitter. We can critique uh, Elon, but uh, uh, we, we, we can we can see. And I like to see this difference in terms of." Uh, of uh, culture, of consumption, of finance, and so on. This is very funny, and yes, influencing uh, open open me a lot of opportunity and to speak with uh, great people, uh, powerful people, and uh, yeah, um, this is the aspect of uh, influencer I, I like. Which is great, and uh, it's true doing the work and I, I don't really like this title influencer, so I tend to prefer to use thought leader or even I would say, you know, how you share your ideas with the world and see what people like and what people like less. But you're absolutely right. Um, the conference um, journey or uh, going to conference require a lot of work. And like you, I've had to be a little bit more mindful of my time and actually limit the conferences I attend every year and probably work with the same conference organizers because then it becomes a bit easier because you know them and you know how they work so that you can deliver quality um, rather than, you know, I would say quantity. So it's all about creating quality content, whether it's moderating or delivering keynotes and fewer, I would say, is always better. So as we move right to the world of, I would say, creator economy, and that was the reason why I was asking you about your influence to work, what are the trends you see emerging for 2023? Clearly, uh, AI, uh, uh, artificial intelligence will be become a real in organization, no-code AI with its uh, easy drag and drop interface will uh, enable any business to leverage its power to create more intelligent product and service. And you see now with uh, uh, the, the buzz last week of uh, OpenAI with uh, ChatGPT, you know, this is the start. Uh, it was just amazing for me because I didn't expect it's come so early 
in fact. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and, and uh, um, you know, when you ask the data scientists or, or um, uh, data engineer in terms of, uh, of salary, it's huge. But now you can have an alternative. Uh, I don't know which kind of development uh, uh, ChatGPT will go, but it's, it's just amazing. And, and for me, for the, the, the next uh, 10 years, uh, clearly AI. AI is an uptrend, and um, with this kind of acceleration, it's uh, clearly uh, a, a big top trend for the year and the coming years, clearly. Um, AI will also augment nearly every job in every business process across industries. Uh, more retailers will use um, AI uh, to manage and automate the complex inventory management process. Uh, that happen behind the scene. Uh, so convenient trends like uh, buy online, pick up, and curbside. Uh, uh, it, it, it just uh, amazing in terms of uh, uh, experience for for customer experience. You know, because now um, the um, the AI machine learning can improve your your experience of a consumer. And uh, more or less with fintech solution, you can have a, a, a priceless experience. You know. Uh, yeah. What else? Yes. What else? Uh, it was a big buzz, but now we 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 expect a, a concrete result. But it's clearly a metaverse. Uh, metaverse with the, the bet of uh, Meta uh, ex Facebook. Um, in particular, in, in GameFi industry, uh, GameFi for gaming and finance, because uh, in gaming industry, we see a, a lot of big developments. It's more or less a 300 billion of US dollar market. Um, you see a lot of exchange in terms of payment or people are ready uh, to pay to, to see other playing on different uh, uh, games and and clearly uh um i i don't care particularly care for a term of metaverse but it's become shortened for a, a more immersive internet and uh, the 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 concrete application of metaverse it's uh, clearly in, in in the gaming and uh, expert predict that the metaverse will add five trillion of us dollar on the global economy by 2030 and uh, we will uh, we will see uh, next year uh, uh, what kind of direction the the, the metaverse will uh, go for the next uh, decade. And of course, uh, you link metaverse with augmented reality and virtual reality technology, and we'll continue to to advance. Uh, clearly, for me, uh, it's a question just a question of time and application of in terms of sector. So you mentioned two things I want to, 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 to deep dive into. The first is, you know, the low-code AI. It's interesting because um, I'm doing a piece of work for one of the big techs and uh, I was looking, so how many AI people are there out there? I've not found the number, actually, the real number, Xavier, but I found an article from Tencent which said that there were 300,000 expert AI people around the globe. Right. So what you are saying around the low code, no code, and if we can do low code, no code AI, you and I probably can code. And maybe you're much better than I, but, you know, we can do 
potentially proper AI. And the question I have is, do you think it's where we are going, where people who are less literate into artificial intelligence, but know what outcome they want to do, would they be able to deliver AI algorithm? And should they? Because then you also have the uh, theory or the issue of ethics and fairness around artificial intelligence. So that's my first question. Now from Meta, an interesting thing you mentioned, and it's it's about understanding immersive. I hundred hundred percent believe that you know the immersive internet is on it on its way, and so we we should not just look at Meta as on the metaverse as a single entity. We need to link it to Web three, as you highlighted, um, the virtual reality and the augmented reality asset we need to use to go into those this world. And that means we need probably lighter devices to use on our face to be able to engage into this into those immersive environments. So Meta, Web3, AR, um, augmented and virtual reality. But then, you know, the conception of digital uh, currency. So you mentioned gamification or increased finance, GameFi, which means that financial environment then is around digital currency potentially. So how do we make the best of those two environments, when we look at, uh, you know, fintech, for instance, I mean, look at some of the numbers in fintechs. Last year, we had 150 billion invested in fintech. We have 100 billion invested in fintech this year, so it's gone down, probably 33%, same in insurtech. So do you think we are going to find the appetite next year to, to start pushing those two trends? Clearly, clearly. In fact, for me, this is a conjunction of uh, different uh, uh, technology, because as you mentioned, we are we are in in tech. You you speak about uh, about uh, tech and specialist of uh, of data and data, data science. The, the problem if you if you are not coder, you are a little bit uh, excluded. You and I, we have the expertise because we are senior. Uh, we are sea level, and you have the expertise. What I love with uh, the policy in, in terms of talent uh, recruitment, it's uh, the the diversity. It's not diversity uh, as usual when you can see in Europe, but it's diversity of experience, younger with a senior. The younger has um, innovation, uh, the, the the coding uh, talent. And the senior are more or less the expertise. And one day, in few years, you have the merger of the both, you know. And uh, unfortunately, it's it will be these people with a, these people will get a lot of value. It's it's it, it, it means it will be a very um, a real cost for the company because these people will be priceless. And the only things to balance it will clearly to develop no-code solution in order for no-coding people to express their talent also with uh, ChatGPT, for example. And uh, this low-code, no-code solution, in fact, is very inclusive, you know, inclusive because they, they include in society uh, people that don't know to code. I don't know what what is your opinion on that, but I think it's a good thing for for me to see this kind Absolutely. of. Absolutely, 
And, you know, we've seen a great initiative like uh, Girls Who Code, right? We have seen, uh, you know, financial inclusion. When you think about Africa, for instance, there are great exactly. initiatives to include more people. One example I was given, actually, when I attended Web Summit uh, this year is I uh, attended a session with Accenture and, and Siemens. And one thing they were explaining is when you go into the metaverse, for example, for industrial uh, the industrial industry, right? The industrial market. So think about when you build an engine for an aircraft or think about, um, uh, you know, massive environment where you create electric uh, material. They now can create those environment in a metaverse, so a digital twin, um, a digital environment where they are able to enable people in all the world, you know, wherever people are located to get trained to actually create repairs for those engines using simulations, um, regardless where they are. So it means you're actually creating financial inclusion in Africa, in LATAM, in Asia, where potentially yesterday you would only have recruited Europeans or Americans, um, you know, people from um, developed markets. And so what happens with some of the technology we are seeing emerging is you're opening doors to enable people who are anywhere in the world to be able to work and be part of this new immersive economy where they can actually participate and create wealth for themselves by getting really interesting jobs as well. Effectively, and this is a wonderful period for, for, for that and also challenging. If we come back to, uh, to, to a little bit on, on meta, this is a big bait uh, about uh, metaverse because, to be honest, is not for 10 million, 10 billion of US dollars in terms of uh, expense, the result is not super good, but they give uh, the way uh, to see what will, uh, what will happen. But clearly, I think it will make uh, sometimes. And um, you cannot have only a metaverse uh, application. But for me, it's a mix of fintech, Web3, um, AI, and it's it kind of mixed, applicable to each industry. And each industry will see how um, apply in real to make a business. Because at the end of the day, this is what the business want and what they want to, to apply. And this is the reason why um, I, I expect a lot about Web3 because Web3 is more or less blockchain technology um, with, with uh, a lot of plans from companies that want to uh, apply it and create more decentralized product and services. For example, at the moment, we are storing everything in the cloud, but if we decentralize data storage and encrypt that data using blockchain or information. We not only be safer, but will, but we will have more innovative way to access and analyze it. And if you add NFTs with non-forgeable token, will become more usual, usable, and practical in in the new year. And this is just. Um, a big opportunities in terms of a new business model for, for, for the business, clearly. So, you know, when you look at insurance, right, which is my world, you know, some of the trends we are betting for 
would, and I want you to help me with those as well, include embedded. So we've learned from embedded finance and you probably heard we have moved into embedded insurance and I myself done quite a lot of work this uh, past year around embedded health where, you know, financial services combined with non-financial services come together to start solving the problem of very specific niche markets. And so in health, you know, we need this super app concept where you have those little dots, those little apps, which are being included into, let's say, an infrastructure as a service platform, an iOS platform, which allows us then to really serve every segment very well, either it's a young Gen Z to an elderly, the services will be very different. So that is one trend, embedded finance, embedded insurance, embedded health. The second, which I want actually to get some of your advice, actually, Xavier, is what we call algorithmic underwriting and potentially moving to dynamic underwriting, which probably in your world of finance will be algorithmic trading or dynamic trading. So we want to know a little bit more around, you know, how do we use data and AI to start becoming more predictive and actually give the right price at the right time or provide better underwriting capabilities, which are a bit more automated. So that is the second one. The third one, I think all these, which I mentioned, are going to impact what we call the future of work. You and I probably working some days at home, some days in an office, but we like that hybrid world because it allows us to manage work-life balance a little bit more rather than spending two hours per day in public transport. So we can use that time maybe to exercise a little bit more or do things with family and friends. So that future of work, therefore, is linked to the two others because then you need to look at data security and cyber to actually make sure that the people are using the technology from home are safe and are able to do their work and you in the work with client in a secure environment. So I'll expose on those three theme and see what your thoughts are. Xavier. Yeah, um, it's funny because every time I see the, the opposition between um, uh, fintech, in, insurtech, finance and uh, insurance, for me, uh, insurance is included in, in finance and uh, it, it's uh, it's strange because insurance is not some for, for few people is not considered as sexy as um, as a sexy but i think from my opinion uh, this sector in particular with insurtech solution uh, this sector should be uh, sexy and attract uh, best people because in fact this sector in terms of mission um, um, qualify holds the uh, ESG request and this is a very powerful uh, sector for the better of human being and um, what you mentioned about uh, embedded insurance is uh, currently a, a red hot topic uh, in the industry uh, because he um, has permitted many of recent conversation with a client evaluate how embedded currently impact or could impact the uh, distribution plan. Um, for me, it's a sense of urgency is compounded by disruptor, uh, companies like uh, Tesla, you know, with Elon Musk throwing their at in meaningfully, meaningful way into the insurance ring, and and it's very uh, interesting to see uh, this kind of new player. 
and some recent perspective on embedded insurance has focused on technology requirement for carrier to play in this space on the architecture required to embed their products. Others have a different tech, for example, coveragers focus on product design on the key to success. And uh, for me, clearly, uh, embedded insurance gives the opportunity to insurance industry to be sexy and attract the best tech talent, from my opinion. I yes, know. you're absolutely right. You're absolutely yeah. right. We have you a are more specialist. Yeah, you are more yeah. specialist than me because I worked with uh, as a former banker for for for, for yeah. also for for insurance. But I, 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 it would be also interesting to have your your opinion on that. And clearly, for me, uh, you insurance as a leverage to 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 attract uh, to attract the best talent and also to 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 provide a better world, you know, with a ESG requirement application. Yes, you see, it's interesting because as you as you know, we have a, a talent gap. We have a challenge to recruit talent. However, the organizations which tend to be far more innovative, you know, I know the, the you know the, the the theory or the 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 garage thinking, you know, where you had um, an environment which was really conducive for innovation and where there was space to think including other things is probably a little bit gone. However, I would say organizations which um, ha have a corporate venturing arm, you know, work with startups, work with new propositions and invest in them tend to acquire and attract more talent than those who do not. So um, insurance is getting attractive when they start looking at things younger people are interested in. You mentioned ESG and sustainability which permit everything we do, right? Insurance for good. And so when insurers have clear purpose to do good for the industry, and then do that with a younger mindset, they tend to be more successful to attract talent. Therefore, you know, involving them into the artificial intelligence projects, helping uh, getting their thinking about why would they prefer to do embedded rather than, you know, buying normal products. And then you get the real lens on people who, our potential customer of the product themselves entering an environment where they can be much more critical in the design of the product and, the uh, and services of the future. So absolutely true, uh, actually, Xavier. I mean, for me, when you look at our industry, I always wonder, and it would be helpful to hear from you, how do you see uh, incumbents, you know, uh, where should they focus their attention in 2023 Incumbents versus startups, you know, what do you see the divide to be between those two groups? The incumbent established market versus the new players. What should they do? Where they will focus their attention? What do you see from the conversation you're having every day? Oh, challenging question, but uh, it's clearly um, uh, in terms of um, experience, you know, uh, I mean... Um, I mean, um, customer experience, because at, at the end of the day, uh, we are there okay, to 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 for customers, uh, people or company, and uh, customer experience change should lead twenty twenty three and and beyond uh, for me, and uh, in particular. 
as you know, this is a challenging period in terms of growth. Uh, you have a lot of uh, cloud in terms of geopolitical, energy crisis, and so on. And um, um, if big companies, the insurance, uh, finance sector knows to, to talk uh, to a final client, it's, uh, it's, this is a winner. And customer experience expectation rising now because you, you have a lot of apps, solution, uh, new, um, new startups um, uh, compete with uh, big companies in terms of services. So uh, um, customer journeys in banking have grown increasingly complex shopping for new financial product service or provider no longer begins and ends in a, in a branch. Customers want a simplified and streamlined experience on the channels uh, they prefer at the time that is most convenient uh, to them. And uh, I think more, more, I don't remember where I, I, I read that, but um, uh, I remember more than 80% of customers say a positive experience will drive a future purchase decision. Uh, it, it, it comes from a Zendesk um, survey. Zendesk, okay. Yeah. While 61% say a single negative experience will result in immediate relationship abandonment. And 22% jump from the previous uh, years. It was, yes, 2021. And uh, two negative experiences will result in 76 customer attrition. It's, uh, for me, again, uh, with uh, players such as um, Amazon and, and other, they, they rise the level of uh, uh, client services and, uh, and a, it's challenging for old-fashioned company, uh, to be honest, and for sure for, for banking and, and some insurance company. Uh, and uh, also... A customer is willing to share personal information if doing so simplifies future engagement. Um, more than uh, of customer, um, I think the majority want to be able to engage with a human at the touch of button, but uh, this majority also want to be able to find the answer and information they are looking for on their own terms. Um, it's difficult to find the right balance because each client is more unique on the request, on this experience. Maybe you can cover from digital perspective 80% of the request, but 20% of the claims could destroy your image in terms yeah. of, uh, of um, advice and, and so on. But clearly for me... Uh, customer expectation, um, global customer service experience expectation um, will drive um, uh, 2023 and beyond, clearly. Yeah, so less friction, a very clearly designed customer experience and understanding how you deliver that touch point, which is more humanized, but at the same time, 
automated. You know, sometimes when I look for stuff, I really don't want to talk to anyone, actually. And maybe I'm one of the represent representation to of this Gen 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 X, um, Gen Z, you know, we call ourselves, I guess, ex-millennials, where I'd rather find things for myself. But actually, when it takes too long, I just want to get it done. And so I'm prepared to talk to somebody. And so it's finding a ways that that balances to what can I find myself without dis disturbing anyone and I can multitask while finding what I'm looking for. But at the same time, if it's not well um, provided, you know, if the information is not stored, then you have to end up on the queue on the phone call and something we should have taken five minutes end up taking 30 minutes, which we don't have nowadays. So to finish our session, Xavier, what are the few last words you would like to leave with our listeners? Oh, um, stay positive, clearly. And uh, who dares win? This is my philosophy of life. And um, for sure, even you don't understand anything about innovation, technology, Web3, blockchain, and so on, take the time to listen to people like you with your podcast, to uh, look for information on internet you have a, a numerous uh, 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 information you have also three course of best university now in in the MOOC and uh, you can have the, the 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 best professor of the world for free now from Harvard from Oxford on YouTube and so on to share their their insight and their knowledge take the time to educate yourself we are in the world of education and self-education. And I was also surprised yesterday. I was um, talking to the team uh, at IBM and they also are making all the same content, which is uh, available for the IBMers free for all their partners. So any training that one is looking to do as a partner of IBM is now free and made available to their community of, uh, of partner, which I found that amazing. So there is content. Education is, I would say, you need to take an opportunity to, to learn. And both of us, I know we don't have a choice. We need to learn all the time. So one thing you were saying, you know, listening. So I will say to people, you know, rate, subscribe and provide a comment to the podcast and also let us know what you want to listen to. But Xavier, if people want to find you, where do they go? If they want to dive into your view of the world, where do they go? Or they can find me on LinkedIn mm -hmm. and Twitter, of course. It's more simple to, to follow me um, in order uh, my my current news and actuality. Uh, and uh, yeah, uh, I think it's the best, uh, best way to find me. Well, thank you for uh, spending some time with us. Bye, Xavier. Thank you, Sabine. Bye-bye. À bientôt. Bye. Au revoir. <laughs> Au revoir. If you like this podcast, subscribe now, share with your friends, and if you enjoyed it, please give it a five-star review. Also, if you want to cover any specific subject with me, contact me on Instagram under Sabine VDL Officials or LinkedIn under Sabine Van der Linden. Thank you.